Hey, you know, when I thought of today, when I thought of how this was going to roll out, I, be, I thought I was going to begin by talking about COVID and the impact that it has had on our nation. And um, I just want to use this opportunity right now to begin with what has evidently become an impact of mankind's fallenness and depravity in our country in extraordinary ways. And um, boy, we could talk for a long time on this, and someday we will, but let me just briefly and clearly say that there are obvious expressions today in our world of hatred and expressions of injustice in our country I just want to say, there is a clear understanding in Scripture from Genesis chapter 1. We stand upon it as a ministry. We stand upon the Word of God in this. And it is this, that all are created in God's image. All are created in God's image. I like the understanding that today we worship together and there are people in Africa and people in Brazil and people that don't look a whole lot like us, that are worshiping along with us. And, um, and I know that this may edge on something for some people, but let me just walk there for a moment. You know, what's the solution? How are we going to get through this? And, and I can pretty much guarantee you um, this president won't fix it. The presidents before him did not fix it. The presidents after him will not be able to fix all of the injustice. It is only through our belief and reliance in the worst injustice ever. That is the sacrifice of the perfect son of God where he didn't die for his wrong, but he died for our wrong. Understanding that and putting your reliance in Jesus that is the point, I believe, the scriptures say, where we truly will be able to navigate through the, these issues of injustice and oneness. And, and I'm just going to give you scripture here. It says Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. That's where we stand as a ministry we're all created in God's image, and truly our place of unity is going to be at the foot of the cross. It's going to be by embracing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, navigating forward from there. Micah 6.8 hits it also. I love this verse in the Old Testament. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Well, it is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So there we go on that. Grab your Bible, would you? Your phone, your iPad, whatever you have. And online, whatever you have as well. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. And once again, a big welcome to our online church family. I think some of us here have a little jealousy today. Because you know, they are home right now sitting on their couch with unlimited coffee. And, and then some of you came in here this morning and you just realized, you know what, for the first time in three months, I don't have a mute button for the pastor. So um, the only person that does, and thankfully he didn't use it, was the sound booth. And uh, so thank you, Jeff, on that. But 
Daniel 2, now the first 16 verses show us how Nebuchadnezzar had a series of troubling dreams. So just to pull us together on this, if you watched online last week, we saw that Nebuchadnezzar woke up from a series of dreams that he had, and he was so troubled, he went to everyone that he could think of to try to figure this out. He went to the magicians, and to the sorcerers, and the astrologers, and, and all the wise men of Babylon. He went all the way around to be able to figure out, how can I find the interpretation to this dream that has troubled me so And we understand from our lives and also from the scriptures that all of our attempts to solve our problems without God will fail. Can I get something on that? Is that true? You know, when we try to solve all of our things without God, it's just going to flop. And in fact, just think of these biblical characters, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. How about the Tower of Babel? How about these people that said, you know, we can do this whole thing without God and apart from God, and you know where that ended up. Abraham and Hagar ended up trying to figure out, Abraham said, how can I get the promise of God but without the path of God? And that was a flop. And then we can go to David who, you know, he had an affair with Bathsheba and then he tried to cover up his affair and ended up killing Uriah, um, her husband, and he just... You look at all of these things and all of the failed attempts that we put our hope and our trust and reliance in ourselves or in others, and they just flop. Now, I can look at Bible characters and say, um, (laughs) you know, look at all that they did, but truthfully, um, I don't have to look too far. I can look at myself and realize I have a whole bunch of ways that I've tried to do things my way, and they flopped. Um, I just open up with you. You know, there, there have been times I have treated my wife and my kids harshly, thinking that that was going to solve the problem. I mean, come on. <clears throat> have you ever hollered at your kids to tell them to stop hollering? Yeah, I know. So we're, we're there. We've, we've all done this. You know, you know this is going to work. If I holler at them louder than they're hollering at me, it, the whole thing will be solved and it's all going to work out. You know, these are our attempts to figure things out on our own, and we know that they all will end in an absolute ruin. So I want you to think about this as we work into Daniel chapter 2. And here's where we're going to put the car in park here today. We need to remember Christ didn't die on the cross so that we hope in him only for salvation. Follow that. Remember I said it, Christ didn't die on the cross so that we hope in him only for salvation. It was so that we have someone to hope in and live for all through life, especially, gang, the disruptions that we experience right now. So Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, if you're in Daniel chapter 2, we're just about to walk into disruption number 2. Their whole life in Judah got blown up. Now they're in Babylon. They were King Nebuchadnezzar. And and this is the big disruption number two because Nebuchadnezzar is so upset that all of the wise men could not interpret his dream for him. So they ended up, Nebuchadnezzar said, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill all of the wise men of Babylon. I'm just going to take them all out. 
And so now here's disruption number two for Daniel and his friends. And they asked for an extra evening. They went to Arioch and they said, you know, can you give us one evening to try to figure this thing out? And I love it. If you're in Daniel 2, look at what happened. Verse 17. And this is going to work us into the primary idea of the text of Daniel 2. So Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. You see it? You see the difference? Here's how it navigated. Nebuchadnezzar, when he was troubled, he went to the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the sorcerers, everyone that he could think of to try to get an interpretation. Daniel pulled his friends together. He says, you know what? There's one person we need to go to. We got to figure this thing out. And here's who that is. We're going to go to God. We're going to go direct to God. And, And his natural reflex was to go to the person and character of Almighty God. And I believe in Daniel 2, there is going to be such tremendous emphasis on this that in our time of trouble in our time of disruption there's to be no question about it friend the lesson of daniel 2 is our hope our true hope our only true hope is god period can i get something here on this can I even get you something online? Um, go ahead, you know, it could be a preach or it could be bring it or oh yeah or whatever you have online. You got a little more freedom than what we do in the, in the audience here. But here's the reality. Our only true hope is in God. That's where it rests. So I'm gonna walk through four evidences in Daniel 2, four evidences that show this assurance, this hope, this confidence in God. And here's number one. Number one, so the dream ends up needing to be interpreted and God answers the prayer of of Daniel and his three friends. So check out how this works. So he answers the prayer. And Daniel then prays a prayer of thanksgiving to God. And here's way number one that we see that our hope needs to be in God. And it's seen in Daniel's prayer here, starting in verse 19. So if you have your copy of the scriptures, verse 19, it says, um, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him, and I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So here in this prayer, I'm going to show you Daniel intentionally gives a statement of how our hope needs to be in God. So check this out. Remember when Nebuchadnezzar, when he had his dream, he initially turned and he went to his wise men. So look at verse 20. 
in Daniel's prayer, he says, praise be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom, wisdom is his. And so right off the bat, Daniel says, you know what? It's not really the wise men that we get our wisdom from. <clears throat> wisdom comes from God. So in, in contrast to Nebuchadnezzar, he's showing wisdom is from God. Notice the second thing he says, and power is his. Power is God. And, and so, so Nebuchadnezzar also went to the sorcerers and he went to the magicians. Here's powerful people in Babylon, people that said that they had special abilities and magical powers even. And Daniel says, you know what? Wisdom's from God, not the wise men. Power is from God, not the magicians and the sorcerers. Notice verse 21. It says, he changes times and seasons. He changes times and seasons. And, and so guess what Daniel's saying? Nebuchadnezzar went to the astrologers. He went to the astrologers, the people that look at the stars and they try to understand the times and seasons. And he says, you know what? The astrologers aren't going to help you out on this. It's God. And then he mentions he disposes, or he disposes, he does dispose kings. But he deposes kings and raises up others. And so here he's saying to Nebuchadnezzar, so Nebuchadnezzar, not only is wisdom from God, not your wise men, not only is power from God and not your magicians and sorcerers, not only does God change the times and the seasons and not your astrologers, you, King Nebuchadnezzar, God's the one that puts you up and puts you down and brings in other kings. So all of this is from God. And so from the very first prayer that we see, Daniel's prayer of thanksgiving, he's showing one after another this backdoor way of calling out all the frauds, all the false hope, those things that gave the king empty words and confidence. And he said, you know what, king, all of this truly comes from God. And he says, it's not even me. Notice in the prayer, verse 23, I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me, Daniel, wisdom and power and made known to me what we asked of you. All of our hope is in God. And in this prayer, Daniel just kind of exposes all of the ways that Nebuchadnezzar put his hope in all of these others. And he says, you know what? It's only in God. It's only in God. That's where all of it comes from. So number one, we see in Daniel's prayer that the hope and our only hope is in God. Notice number two. Number two, and I love this verse. Um, do you, I don't know if you mark in your Bible. If you do, if you underline, if you highlight, this is one to mark right here. Verses 27 and 28. These are probably my two favorite verses in Daniel. Realize he expresses that um, hope in God is not only seen in the prayer of Daniel, it's seen in Daniel's declaration to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel, just the day before, he had one day to live. Nebuchadnezzar had a death sentence on all of the wise men, all of the magicians, all of the astrologers in Babylon. He had one day to live, and he prays to God. God reveals this, and Daniel goes to the guy that was going to kill him. So this is the one, this is the certain death encounter for Daniel. 
Daniel was asking for the impossible, the revealed dream. He was even asking on a time schedule, I need it by tomorrow. And he put all of his hope and trust and confidence in one person, which is God. And then notice what he tells Nebuchadnezzar. This is great. Verses 27 and 28, mark it. Let's embrace it. Daniel goes to King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, it's one thing to say, God gave me the dream. But Daniel did much more than that. Notice what he said in verse 27. He told the king everything you try to do was a flop. Verse 27, Daniel replied, no wise man, no enchanter, no magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. King, everything you tried flopped. And here's the best one, verse 28. But there is a God in heaven. Isn't that rich? Some of us need to say that right now for ourselves. Going through your disruption, through your challenge, and you're thinking, you know, everything I've tried has flopped and failed. But there is a God in heaven. Would you say it with me? But there is a God in heaven. And you need to speak that as Daniel did in confidence in God. He didn't trust in enchanters. He didn't trust in magicians or astrologers or wise men. And he told the king, all of this that you're trying is a dead-end street. However, there's a God in heaven He reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. And what a declaration, folks, that our hope, our true hope, our only true hope is in God. And here's the one challenge I have in this whole context. Different than every other Sunday in the past, I actually have a time deadline. So I need to keep on moving. I would love to Park it right there. But here's number three. Our only hope in God is seen in Daniel's prayer. It's seen in Daniel's declaration to Nebuchadnezzar. Number three, it's seen in the revealed dream. And some of you might be saying, what in the world is this dream? I mean, there's a whole lot going on about this dream. Makes you wonder, how significant was this? What did the king see? Well, let's look at it for a moment Essentially, what the king saw was a large statue, and it had a gold head, had silver arms and chest, it had bronze belly and thighs, and then it had um, iron legs, and then it had feet and toes that were a mixture of iron and clay. And so, you can, can, you, can you sense the difference? There was a, um, a much greater value placed in the head, and then With every succeeding layer that we went down, the value was inferior. And so you can see even with with this graph that's behind us and even this picture, this is possibly a little bit of what Nebuchadnezzar saw. This statue that, that stood for these different kingdoms. And then there was something significant. It was a rock. Daniel says that this rock was not carved by human hands. This thing was carved by hands of the divine. 
And the rock came and it ended up hitting this statue and all of the statue was brought down and brought to rubble. So I just want to navigate. Here's, here's where Daniel was going with this and this was the interpretation of the dream. Each layer of the kingdom stood, or each layer of the statue stood for a kingdom. He mentions the gold head stood for Nebuchadnezzar. He says, king, you're a great king. You've conquered the world at this point. The gold head stands for you, Nebuchadnezzar, but you know what? You're not going to be king forever. Another kingdom's going to come in and take your place, the silver. And then there'll be a kingdom after that, the bronze. And then a kingdom after that, the iron. And then a number of kingdoms after that, the feet and the toes of clay and iron mixed together. And you can see that's a whole lot more fragile down there than it was up here. But then he mentions there is a rock. There's a rock. It's not carved by hand. It's carved by God. And this rock is going to come and destroy all of that statue. And would you look at the interpretation he mentions in verse 42, or verse 44. In the time of those kings, that's the feet that are mixed with clay and iron, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all the kingdoms, bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. So here Daniel, follow this, says you want to know how your hope is in God alone. See, Daniel is to the Old Testament what the book of Revelation is to the New Testament. If you go to Revelation, you will see this prophecy play out. And I'm here to tell you, I know who this rock is. And I think you know too. This rock is Jesus Christ. And in the end, all of these kingdoms of the world that stood tall, that thought they were strong, that thought they could do it, and they go up against God, Jesus Christ is going to come and take down all of the nations of the world, bring them to rubble, and although there have been nation upon nation and kingdom upon kingdom that have replaced all of the ones before, he mentioned there is one irreplaceable kingdom there is one irreplaceable king. That king is Jesus Christ. His kingdom is what he brings in the end. And every kingdom is temporary. Every kingdom is replaceable except that of the rock, which is Jesus Christ. So you hear what Daniel's saying? He's saying, king, hope is not in kingdoms. Hope is not saying, look what we've set up and we should be able to keep this going. He said, hope is only in the one person, the king who is to come, the king who's gonna take all of this out, the only king whose kingdom is forever. And our ultimate hope is in Jesus Christ, the one who's coming. And that's where we see that this hope in God, only in God, is also seen in the revealed dream. And now I've got number four for you, and I just love this, how... How Daniel chapter 2 ends. It's seen in Nebuchadnezzar's confession. 
If you would, um, verse 46 tells us something that we probably and the people in that day never would have imagined ever that they would see. You know, Nebuchadnezzar bows to no one. Nebuchadnezzar has everyone bow to him, and we're going to see that in chapter 3. He had everyone bow to him except for three guys, and we'll get to that next week. Nebuchadnezzar bows for no one. And possibly for the first time in his life, Nebuchadnezzar, not only did his jaw hit the floor, he hit the floor. In verse 46, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and order that an offering and incense be presented to him. And notice the king's words, verse 47, then the king said to Daniel, here's a pagan king exclaiming, That hope is only in God. Surely your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. What a statement from a pagan king topping off all of Daniel chapter 2 that our hope is truly in God And our only hope is truly in God. And even the king ends up saying, beyond Daniel's prayer, beyond his his declaration, beyond the dream, the king stands up and says, you know what? Your God is the God of God, the Lord of kings. And then unimaginably so, then the king, verse 48, placed Daniel in a high position, lavished gifts on him, made him a ruler over the entire province of Babylon, and put him in charge of all of its wise men. In verse 49, at Daniel's request, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he made them administrators over the province of Babylon. This is the cool thing, because here the day before, these guys were all in death row. Now they're on the front row of leadership of all of Babylon, and that's what happened to them when they put all of their hope and trust in God Almighty. God not only came through for them, but God showed he is the one whom our hope must be in in all time of disruption. And so here we go, folks. We need to talk about this. Daniel 2 is a chapter of hope. Daniel 2, Daniel shows us that even though your life can be in disruption, even though everything can be different than what it was, even though you can be wondering what is going to happen next and you really don't know, here's what Daniel 2 says, put your hope in God. Even in the middle of the craziness of life. I want to give you a phrase and would you think about this for a moment? Our hope Our confidence, our assurance is only as good as what we put it in. It's only as good as what we place it in. And and there's going to be a lot of temptation in our lives to put our hope elsewhere, just like Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar put his hope in enchanters and sorcerers, wise men, astrologers, 
That's where I'm going to find my answers. And you know what? His hope was only as good as what he put it in, and it was not that good at all. Daniel put his hope in one person alone. He put it in God Almighty. And he showed that it truly is as good as the one you put your hope in. God proved for all of Babylon. God proved for Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And friend, God wants to prove for us today that our hope, truly our only hope, should be in him. I want to tell you two ways. I want us to think about it. And online, friends, I want you to think about this too. Consider this. God wants our hope in him, in Jesus Christ, for our eternal life. Some people think, you know what, if I hope in my church attendance, if I hope in my good works, if I hope in my family history, if I hope in all of these things, maybe that will give me eternal life. Maybe that'll give me a relationship with God. Maybe that'll bring me closer to God. And I'm, and I'm here you today. I want to tell you today that our hope for eternal life is in Jesus. My hope for eternal life is in Jesus. Would you say that with me? My hope for eternal life is in Jesus. Say it again. My hope for eternal life is in Jesus. Not in self. Not in works. Not in church. Not in a pastor. There's only one person that died for you. There's only one person that could truly be the sacrifice of atonement for our sin. And that's Jesus Christ. The Bible says it plainly, Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No one. Jesus said, John 14.6, I'm the way, you know it, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. I learned a hymn when I was younger. Here's how it goes. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand folks my hope for eternal life is in Jesus and everyone needs to be able to not only say that to, but to believe it with all of their heart it's that Jesus died for my sin and I invite you now whether you're here whether you're home wherever you are don't trust in anyone else. Don't hope in anything else. Put your hope in Jesus. Even tell him in your heart, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. 
I know I'll be judged for this, but I believe, Jesus, you were judged in my place. I leave my junk behind. I cling to you. Forgive me. Be my leader. Put your hope in Jesus for eternal life. Then here's the second one. My hope for all of life is in Jesus. My hope for all of life is in Jesus. Now remember what I said at the beginning. Christ didn't die on the cross so that we hope in him only for eternal life. It was so that we have someone to hope in for all of life. And here's the phrase, my hope for all of life is in Jesus. Would you say that with me again? Come on, let's do this. My hope for all of life is in Jesus. It has to be. It's not going to work out any other way. In Daniel 2, 11, Nebuchadnezzar asks of the astrologers and the others, hey, tell me my dream. And the astrologer said, it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. We can't tell you your dream. In fact, here's what they said. They said, you know what? Only, only the gods can tell you that. And they don't walk among us. Well, here's the cool thing. I beg to differ with the astrologers because 2,000 years ago, God did come and walk among us. And his name is Jesus Christ. And not only that, the Bible says if we believe in his death for us, he not only has walked on earth, but he walks with us every step of our lives. He never leaves us. We sang about it earlier. Never forsakes us. He's always there. He's the God not only of the eternal life, he's the God of our life. And so, friend, we need to embrace this. My hope for all of life is Jesus. We're never alone. We don't have to face life alone. We couldn't, truthfully. We don't have to figure things out on our own. What this looks like, there needs to be a genuine dependence like Daniel my first reflex is to go to Jesus in prayer. My first reflex is to follow his word for my life, to trust him for outcomes and not be the manipulator of my outcomes, but to put my life in his hands, not just my eternal life. My hope for all of life is in Jesus. Would you stand with me for a moment? I want to pray. And I would love for your hearts to connect with this as well. For some, your prayer here this morning is, God, I'm a sinner. I've gone my own way, and I know I can't earn my way to heaven, but that's why Jesus died for me. I put my trust in him, my hope in him. I believe he died for my sin and my place so I can be forgiven. That needs to be your prayer today. If you've never thought that with God, if you've never reached out to him and I invite you today, do that. Whether here, whether online, put your hope in Jesus for eternal life. And for those who already have, 
Don't stop there. He's the God of your marriage. He's the God of your finances. He's the God of your children. He's the God of your job. He's the God of your habits. He's the God of your hurts. He's even the God of your disruption. My hope for all of life is in Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, that rock, the eternal king, the one who came and died in our place. Father, as a people, our hope is in you. Through times of disruption and chaos and challenge, whether it be in our world out there or whether it be in the world even of our personal life, may our hope and confidence and assurance and reliance truly be in you. May our reflex be to to reach out. May our reflex be to follow your word and not make our own path. May our hope be in you for eternal life and all of life. And all of you speak Calvary said, amen, amen. You know, um, I actually ended three minutes early and you were here to witness it today. And here's part of why, and I hate to even say this, I feel so bad. But we had cleaners come before the service, and then they came mid-service to clean up all the germs of all the people that were here before you. And when you finish up, they're actually just gonna do a quick touch-up of our auditorium. So if we could, even be able to vacate a little bit quicker. That way they can come and do their job for us. That would be a huge help. Hey, but God bless you. We look for you next week. Remember, our hope for all of life is Jesus Christ. God bless you. Good to see you. Yeah, amen. God bless.